Welcome to VC for Stupid Idiots. We are your idiots, Marianne, Michelle, and Francesco from NomadicMinds.Capital. Here, we interview the best investors on the planet to learn their secrets and tell them a lot of bad jokes. Then, we use their knowledge to invest in emerging market startups. Because this is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty and make outstanding returns. If you want to see what we are investing in this week, please join us at nomadicminds.capital. Welcome to another episode of VC for Stupid Idiots. Today we have our superstar guest with us today, Pascal. Pascal, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Thank you, Mary. Hello, my name is Pascal Levy Garbois. I'm um, a French American founder and investor. I've done my whole career in tech, first in France, then in the US, then back in France right now. I've started three companies, four companies. One that a startup that got successfully acquired by Nuance Communications, a chatbot company back in 2003, so too, much too early. An on-demand, like a Uber Forex type companies uh, that failed uh, miserably. And, and two more recent companies that are like an online education company and, uh, and more of a, a a private equity type vehicle. I've been also an investor in 120 startups, either as a business angel and as a, or with a syndicate on AngelList. And now I'm a venture partner at a fund called Long Journey Ventures, where we back crazy founders working on crazy ideas. Sometimes the craziest ideas are the most boring ones, and we like people that are crazy about boring ideas. But we also like people that are crazy uh, with that are really crazy and among us 120 start startups i've been successful i mean i've been quite successful with a company called notion where i was one of the first investor probably use notion for some of your work a company called checker where but i actually later joined as a, an executive and helped grow from eight to 350 people and a few others that are very american specific but but are still successful. So overall, I've done a bunch of things, mostly to satisfy my curiosity. And uh, that's where, why I'm here to speak to you, Mary and Michelle. Thanks so much for being a part of our podcast today. We do appreciate you being here. Could you maybe share with us what you are currently investing in? So our fund, is Long Journey Ventures, invests in companies that are mostly across the board. Like we don't have necessarily one area that we're looking at. Me personally, in the last three months and in the next year, um, I'm going to focus more on projects in the crypto and web free ecosystem. And we've done quite a few of those this year. We've invested in uh, something called Friends with Benefits. We've invested in a company called Ar an NFT company called Artifact, which got actually recently acquired by Nike. We invested in Mibits DAO, a company called Maltis. I mean, we, we invested in like seven or eight projects uh, in the last 18 months in the crypto world. 
and we and we intend to continue doing that. And and I, I will focus a bit more on that for the firm. But we we invest in two types of companies: either companies bringing new ideas to the U.S., or sometimes we invest in companies that are taking something that works in the U.S. and bringing that to emerging markets with typically a value proposition that is around price and around pairing of a value proposition for emerging markets. You mentioned that you loved founders that had crazy ideas. So I was wondering, could you share us a story of like a crazy success story of one of these companies? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think that Notion is uh, probably the best example by all accounts because one, uh, probably a lot of your listeners know of Notion. I mean, I invested in Notion in 2013 in the first round. I had met Ivan, the founder, before that. We were both looking for a co-founder for different projects and we dated a few times. Uh, I think as we both realized that we were not going to be a good match working together, but I also, I think that my big, uh, I was strong enough to, re to realize that he was one of the most crazy product thinker I've, I've seen in my life at the time. And I think that at the time he was building something that was, you know, a combination of allow allowing people to build these small websites and apps with a grid form, like a grid structure with blocks, with these blocks, which are basically the, the core of their offering. And it was not a crystal clear idea of who is going to be the customer of that and why and all that stuff, frankly. But it's just that he was so articulate in explaining why it was going to be a, a, a revolutionary platform for uh, publishing content and for publishing different applications that at the time it was pretty crazy. I mean, WordPress was the dominant platform, Google Docs, like nobody, the idea that the documents could be web pages was really not the norm. And he was building also a horizontal product, meaning which, which are horrible to create because it takes two or three years to have a product that actually people care about. And this is why, for example, if you look at them, if you look at Airtable, these are companies that for three years, nobody wanted to fund because they were, again, it, it took them forever to be on parity with the, the thing that they were supposed to disrupt. And then at some point it became good enough and then it grew like that. But I think that it was a pretty bold move at the time to invest in something like that because it's not something that people were investing in really. It was not the trend of the day. And oftentimes we, looked at, I mean, in the fund, we have Sian Bannister and she invested in SpaceX at the very the first round. And again, I mean, you can trust Elon Musk, but still it's a space company. It's, it's quite a crazy, crazy idea. I mean, we invested recently a more later stage in a company that actually Sian also invested in before, which was, is a company building diamonds with, um, taking as a raw material, I mean, and building industrial grade or jewelry grade diamonds. And that's a pretty crazy thing. Yeah, that's really cool. So you know, first of all, how to start a company as a founder and what to look for in a company for it to be successful. 
I want to ask you to share maybe something within the company that makes you say this is the number one thing that every company needs to have for either to start off or for you to get an an investment. Sure. We invest very early stage. And so most of the time there's nothing in the company that allows you to tell you whether it's going to be successful or not frankly. What we do know is that we can judge the person we have in front of us. And to me that's has always been the most important thing. I invested in Ivan for Notion, not because I believe in Notion, but because I believe in Ivan. And if he, Ivan had failed Notion as he could have been because in 2015-16 I can tell you that not a lot of people wanted to give him money. I I can I would have invested in those five subsequent startups of Ivan until because I knew that that one of them would be a success. I just didn't know which one. So I think that you want to invest in people that have an edge. Oftentimes in Silicon Valley, we, we, we say we want to invest in people that have a, but know a secret. The secret can be a market, can be an idea, can be a concept, like a block concept in Notion. It can be anything, really. But they need to, be, to know a secret and to be passionate about that secret and willing to do whatever it takes to make that secret happen. And I think that's the number one thing that we look for in founders. The second thing is that you, me personally, I've been a, a founder, I've been also an executive, and I know that the, the number one job of a founder that works is that they need to be able to hire executives that actually do the work. I mean, they, they, or they, they own the, the, the segment, the customer success team, the sales team, the marketing team, the engineering team, product team, etc. And for that, my, my the number one question I ask myself is, would I work for that person? Because if I won't work for that person as an executive, it means something bad. And it's a good question to ask yourself because sometimes you may like the idea or you're not sure and you have lots of uncertainty, but you, you don't have a lot of uncertainty about whether you think that you'll learn something about that founder or not. That is much more clear. And I, I think that Sometimes when I made bad decisions, it's oftentimes because I had forgotten to ask myself, would I work for that person? The best founders, they are not only incredibly smart, but they're also great learner. They have something in them that wants you that you want to follow. And they have one superpower, and each of them have a different superpower. Like Checker, for example, Daniel, incredible learner. And ability for him to learn about a new topic and in you know, a few days he would know enough to be dangerous and have a real thorough conversation on the topic. And this is something that I found spectacular and I said to myself, that's why actually I joined them, not because I believe a company was, had, I mean, I, I believe it had potential, I think that they had exceeded my expectation to some degree, but I, I believe that Daniel was somebody I would learn from and I can tell you that I've learned a lot from him. And I will never, and I thought at the beginning that even if it wasn't a runaway success, I would learn so much that it was worth it. And I think that as an investor, that's what I want. I mean, that's not helpful for a founder. I mean, they can't say, will I work for myself? But at least that's the framework I've been using to know whether that person has potential. And it might not be that idea. Who cares? It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest piece of advice that you would give founders today from an investor and an entrepreneur's point of view? 
I think that the it would go back to what I said: work and and surround yourself with the smartest people you can find. I think that this is the only advice that works 100% of the time. If you look at great companies, during their best times, they've always had incredibly smart people working for them. I mean, I started my career at eBay in France, and I can tell you we were 40 people. The, the, the level, the average quality of a, the average level of a person that were working with us was very, very high. Not always very polished, but always very high. And that tells you something. You know, there is the saying in, that I always say, I always think about, if you're the smartest people in the room, change room. And so that's the thing. You want to surround with people that are smarter than you. And at Checker, I think that for the longest time while I was there, I mean, the more we hire people, the smarter people were. And that's, what you, that's a good thing. And so for you as a founder, your job is to convince people that are smarter than you to work for you. That's how you, that's how you build an organization that endures and that allows to go through the, the, shit, the shitty things that will happen that will go your way. And there will be plenty, that's for sure. That's the only thing that is for sure. Cool, so we are coming to our three super fast questions that Michelle is going to ask you. And how it works is that she's going to ask you three super fast questions and you got to answer in one word or one sentence. Okay. Okay, great. So, first question, what would you say is the hottest industry right now? I mean, I would say crypto and Web3 are the hottest, are the hottest thing right now. I, yeah. Okay. And... Uh, from what emerging ecosystem would you expect the biggest like startup growth from? I actually think that there will be startup growth across the board. And I think it will be spectacular everywhere. That's a thing. Yeah, true. I love that answer. I mean, it's not one answer. It's, one, it's not one word and it's not one sentence, though. But I, I, <laughs> I, I firmly believe that... We'll give it to you. Yeah. But I, I'm a big believer in that. That's great, really. And um, so the last question then for today is, what is the biggest piece of advice that you can give other investors? I think that the biggest piece of advice I could give other investors is to be open-minded. Oftentimes, People look at, look for patterns or for, look for criteria that are irrelevant. And this is where you have your biggest misses. I mean, if you think about Shopify, I mean, it was selling software to SMBs. I mean, nobody liked investing in businesses, in SaaS businesses selling to SMBs. E-commerce, you had 20 other players, like who care? And yet it's a $180 billion company. And they were out of Toronto or Ottawa or I mean, like not even uh, not even New York or San Francisco or, or, or Boston. So my point is that I think that you need to be open mind open minded about why is this interesting and what could happen if that person was right. And one last question. 
Why don't oysters donate to charity? So that's a joke that you were talking to me about. <laughs> uh... Because they shellfish. Good one. Just to end it off, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank You've you. been absolutely great, and we've loved it that you've shared with us today. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, thank you, Michelle. Thank. Thank you.